Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Now, listen. In order to have a heart like Jesus, and I think we all want to have a heart like Jesus, right? Because when you become a Christian, you really want His heart. And I don't think we want to be a Christian in name only, or we don't want to be a Christian in t-shirt or bumper stickers. I mean, if we're going to have a heart like Jesus, then I think we need to learn how to live like Jesus. I think that's super important. You go, well, like, what do you mean? Well, I think we need to follow his lead as well as obey his commands. Now, honestly, this is a hard thing to do. Hey, man, you want to be a Christian? I sure do, dude. Well, then just obey God. Well, it's a little bit harder than that because I'm wrapped in flesh. But I want I have a heart like Jesus. And you go, well, what do you mean it's a heart to do? Well, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example, okay? In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is teaching a very important lesson in regards to reconciliation and forgiveness. You go, what do you mean? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but listen to this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus is speaking and he says this. You have heard it said. This is my Jesus, okay? You've heard it said. What's that? You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what Jesus says. He says, you've heard it. You've grown up hearing that. You're going to love your neighbor, but your enemies, come on, let's go. We're going to go one, two, knock out. He says, you've heard that. And everybody goes, who's listening is going, "Mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen, Jesus. Amen. He says, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. What? Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wait, time out. Hold on. Time. Hold the phone, Jesus. Are you serious? Are you serious right now? Because... I've grown up with love my neighbor, love love my bro right there, love my bro. But but I don't like my my enemies, man. We're gonna go. But Jesus said, listen, hey 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 Joe, hey Joe, listen, you need to love your enemies. You need to buy him a coke. I ain't buying him a coke. I mean I mean this is what he's saying, and I'm going. What you you need to pray for those who spitefully use me? I'm like whoa. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those, listen, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you, do you have? If you just love those that love you, you're just like, okay, what's, what's the reward? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, he says, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So he says, well, it, it, it's okay. Listen, I love Joe Mabry. And so if I say, hey, Joe, I love you. And Joe says, Ben, I love you too. It's good to see you. What, what pro- I mean, okay, that's cool. Amen? But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Listen, if you want to be perfect, you want to be my Father. He says, love your enemy. I'm like, oh, Lord, that's hard. That's hard, man. That's really tough. That's really hard. Think about it like this. Jesus told us, instead of retaliating when you're offended, he said, we must pray and forgive and love our enemies. The Apostle Paul writes something similar in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 18, Paul says this, Repay no one evil for evil. Have a regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. But but notice what he says. He says, repay no one evil for evil. Is that not our human nature? Our human nature is go, boy, you got me, I'm going to get you. You did this to me, I'm going to get you back. Oh, wait till I get, wait till, let's. I'm going to catch you in a dark alley, but you don't do that. And we, we're like that, are we not? And Paul says, no, 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 don't do that. Now, the lesson, guys, that we can learn from Joseph today is that 
His heart is to reconcile with his family. He has not an intention to retaliate to what happened to him over 20 years ago. Pastor, your point? How important it is for us to be free. Well, what do you mean? Guys, I think there are times when we hold on to things that have happened to us for that one day. And Joseph says, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to worry about what y'all did to me 20 years ago. I want to see you reconciled as my family. Now, why is that important? Because, guys, when you're holding on to something that happened to you, when you're holding on to that, to that bitterness or that anger, whatever somebody, that person did to you, you're the one in chains. You're the one that's not set free. And Jesus said, man, I've come to set you free. And so you go, okay, so, so, so what do I do? Well, he says, listen, listen, another way that I think I, that, that we can put it is, is, is a quote from Pastor Skip Heitzig, who writes, uh, payback is natural, pardon is supernatural. Payback is natural, pardon is supernatural. We often, at, you know, at times, at one time or another, we want a payback, right? We want it, we want, man, come on. We want our enemies to suffer. We desire that those who hurt us, well, they pay for it. That's what we want. That's us in the natural. Can I get an amen on that? But it's been said, guys, now listen. It's been said that hurting people hurt people. And oftentimes when somebody hurts you, you got to think about it this way. I wonder why... Why they did that? Are they hurting? Who hurt them? Because hurting people often hurt people. So, of course, it seems quite natural. You did this to me, bro. I'm going to do this to you. But to forgive and to pardon and to reconcile is not natural. So it has to be supernatural. It has to be something that you get from God. In other words, without the help of God's precious Holy Spirit, I don't think we can achieve this. What does that look like in your life? It looks like when you get up in the morning, you say, Lord, I need you today. Because I'm sure somebody's going to cut me off on the loop. I'm sure, what if your boss comes in and he's just in an outrage and he's just, and he's zeroing in on you? What if you got a buddy, a coworker that, that turns on you, two-faced? Supernaturally, you go, okay, Lord, I can't do this because, see, it's God who gives you the ability to walk away, to turn the other cheek, to say, yeah, okay, hey, it's all cool. That's the lesson we're going to learn from the life of Joseph. And if you recall, I mean, Joseph had a lot. He, he had a lot to be angry about. I mean, he, he was thrown in the pit, and so he went from the pit, and if the pit wasn't enough, they picked him up, they sold him into slavery, there he goes into the Midianites, he goes into Egypt, and he ends up, no, 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 not in the palace, y'all, he ends up in prison. For something he didn't do. You don't think there's some animosity brewing there? You don't think there's some payback? This started with my brother's boy. If I ever see Reuben or Judah or any of them, boy. Mm. He, he wasn't brewing, guys. He wasn't brewing for the last 20 years. And now he went to the palace. He went to the palace. The things he learned, guys, the things he learned while in the pit are going to help him in the palace. Can I get an amen? The things he learned in prison are going to help him as he grows into the palace. That's where Joseph is. Well, think about Joseph like this. I was thinking about this like this, and I think, Mel, listen, if you threw me into a pit, boy, you and I are going to go, you're not my friend. And if I ended up being in a prison, you know, man, whenever I ever made it to the palace, we're going to have a problem. Because now Joseph is second in command. He's got power. 
And now everyone is coming to him. But how did Joseph get that way? Because I think just Joseph learned a very important life, I think, that, that I think we need to take to heart. Like, like, think about it like this. They kept knocking Joseph down, and he kept getting back up. They kept knocking Joseph down, he kept getting back up. One of the famous movie quotes that came to mind was actually through Rocky Balboa, if you guys remember that. The, and and uh, he, once, he once quoted like this. He says, he's looking at his son. Now listen, this is going to tie in beautifully with, with, with Joseph. He, he says this, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and butterflies. Do we not know that? Right? It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you till you're on your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody's going to hit you hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. He says that's how winning is done. And if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you ain't got to be willing, you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. He says you are better than that, end quote. That's just a great quote. Because that's a lot like us. Because guys, that's exactly, nothing is going to hit you harder than life. Nothing's going to hit you harder than life, and it's not how hard you can hit, but it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. If we're being honest, could have we not lost a little of that drive in this last season? As we started our 16th year at Calvary Chapel, January, man, we were ready to go. We were, we were moving forward. There were things going to be done. We were going to, we were going to take it for the Lord, man. Remember, we said we're tired of being on, uh, on the negative end. We want to be on the positive. We want to be, we want to be on the offense. We're tired of being on the defense. And then government shutdowns, churches, people, all of these things. Well, that's a hit. But are we going to stay down? Or are we going to get up and are we going to keep moving forward? And that's what Joseph wants to teach us, guys. He wants to teach us that as a church, but also as individuals. And so Joseph has been in the palace and seven years have passed. Now, remember what has happened. We had seven great years, right? The filet mignon was right on. This was good. But now we have seven not so good years. Now, here's what I want you to here's what I want you to think. I want you to realize that that the famine is not only in Egypt, but it's also in the land of Canaan. Okay? You go, wait, 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 wait. But the land of Canaan, isn't that isn't that where God is blessing, right? Right? Isn't that like God is blessing Jacob and he's gonna this this is the children. This is, yeah, and, and that's a that's a great metaphor for life because although the famine was still in Egypt, it's affecting even God's people. It's affecting God's people. Now, two weeks ago, we discovered that Joseph's brothers came where? To the land of Egypt to buy food. Why? Because Joseph was amazingly bright. He was supernaturally bright. You know what he said? Hey, here's what you should do. Man, in the seven good years, take 20% and put it away. Take 20% and put it away. And then when we have the bad years, you'll have enough food for everybody. And, and, and people caught on. Hey, man, did you see what I read in Twitter? There's food in Egypt. Joseph's got food, man. They didn't know it was Joseph, right? They just had an Egyptian name. But there's food. There's food. Let's go. Let's go, man. Let's go. And so they do, right? And so what happens in Genesis 42.7, Joseph saw what? His brothers and, oh, well, let me go back just a little bit. He says, he sends this, his brothers to buy food. And what happened is that, is that Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And so what happens, he begins the inquiry. Okay, so I see these guys coming in. Okay, so he starts to count. Uno, dos, three. He counts to ten, right? Because he knows that Benjamin is home and he's still alive, although they don't know he's alive. Twenty years ago, they sold him into slavery. 
So he's watching them. Right? So what does he do? Joseph sees his brother come in. He recognizes them. And he acted as a stranger to them. And he spoke roughly to them. Right? Do you guys remember that? And he says, where are you from? Right? He's really, he's really angry. Right? And they're like, ah, we came to the, we're from the land of Canaan. We came to buy food. Then Joseph remembered the dreams, what they had dreamed, and said to them, and he says, now, oh, oh, and he says, you are spies. You have come to see the naked. Remember, he was speaking harshly to him. He talked really hard, and you go, why? Because he, he, here's, the, here's the concept we learned two weeks ago. He, he talked about tough love, guys, and the hope of forgiveness. And you go, well, well, well and how so? Well, remember, he, he, his tough love started right here. See, Joseph, guys, needed to discover his brother's attitudes in and his intentions. Now, now if you're taking out, he really wanted to see their sincerity. That was really, really important. Why? Well, because after all these years, he needed to know, were they really sorry? Were they, were, were, were they really sorry for what they did? So what does Joseph do? If you're, if you're taking notes, jot this down. He's going to test their sincerity, and he wants to find out two things. Okay, Two weeks ago, we looked at it. Let me just rehash this for just a moment. He tests them to provide two answers he's really looking for. What's that? Number one, he wanted to see if his brothers had matured and were genuinely, genuinely sorry for what they did. Did they mature? Okay. Let's rewind just a little bit, right? There's not a one of us in this room that hasn't made mistakes in the past. But that's all they are. They're just a mistake. Okay? It's not your pattern. It's not your character. It's not who you are. You simply made a mistake. And Joseph's going, did they just make a mistake? We're in the heat of the moment where they're just angry and said, boom. And for the last 20 years, they're going, oh, I wonder if my son, my, my bro's alive. I wonder if Joseph's alive. I wonder what he'd look like today. You see, he was just a seventeen-year-old, seventeen-year-old kid. Now, when, when we last saw him, I wonder. And, and so he wants to see were they really sorry. Now, another thing that I think is so important, guys, as he tests him, is he wants to see the validity of his own heart. Could he forgive them for what he's done, for what they've done? Is is my heart going to be able to forgive? Oh, wait a minute! He hasn't been holding a grudge. He hasn't been, he hasn't been, I can't remember the brothers, I do want to find them again. Listen, what? You want me to be prime minister? Great. Find me the, he's not holding that grudge, but, but, wait, wait a minute, guys. Deeper inside your heart, can I forgive? Can I forgive? Now listen, a flood of emotions and a flood of thoughts should be coming in because you're going, listen, I know. I know there's some people I said I forgive. But if I saw him at the store, I'd look the other way. Have we really, have we really forgiven? So Joseph tells him, what does he say? He says, then Joseph said to them, you know, he says the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. What's, what, what, what's the test? If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to the prison, right here, the prison house, but you go and carry the grain and famine to your houses and bring the youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you won't die. And so they did, right? Now, what happens? Guys, they go home, right? But as they open their sack, they find their money in their bags, right? So here's what happens. They left Simon, Simeon, right? They left him in Egypt, right? They left him in prison. Hey, listen, sorry, bro, it's you, Right? I wonder if they're like, well, let's see, who's it going to be? Well, you're not really important. Why don't you stay? I mean, I don't know who they picked, but we know Simeon did, right? So the boys come home. We know that it's a six weeks round trip. That's how long it takes. Three weeks to get to Egypt, three weeks to come back. Okay, six weeks, right? So the boys come in. They say, hey, man, hey, dad, listen. Um, let me tell you what happened. The prime minister of Egypt, and what this is what he said. This is what happened. He called the spies who weren't spies. I don't know, man. The dude was tripping. And then, and then as we're driving back, we opened up our grain and our money's there. So, I mean, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're thinking. You know what Jacob said? His reaction in verse 36, he said, and Jacob, their father said, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more, which means he's dead. Simeon is no more, which he believes he's dead. And you want to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. In other words, he says, if something happens to 
Mijo lindo, which is another term for my favorite, right? If anything happens to Benjamin, he says, I'll be burdened till the day I die. Right? Now, I want you to note these things in the back of your mind, okay? Joe, think about this. Jacob is not letting Benjamin go to Egypt. It's no, 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 no. We're not, no more end of discussion. No. No. I've already lost Joseph. Simeon is out there. I can't, no. No. Everybody got that? Okay. Number two. Joseph gave them enough food to last a while. So think about this. They didn't come back to Egypt right away. You see, we think in terms like they got home and they're like, oh, we got to take Benjamin. And, and Jacob's like, no, 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 okay, go ahead. But that's not the case, is it? They had, they had enough food, right? And they don't want to go back to Egypt because they were accused of being spies. So guess what they're doing? They're eating very, <laughs> instead of eating three meals a day, they're only eating two. Let's make that last because we're not going back to Egypt. Let's make it last. Right? Don't waste food! All of this stuff. So those are some things we put in the back of our mind. They didn't come. So, but, but in the meantime, there's Simeon in prison. Waiting for his bros. I mean, I mean, guys, put yourself in Simeon's sandals for just a second. All you did is go with your brothers to buy food. And now you're caught in prison. Are they going to come back for me? Jesse, what would you be thinking? Huh? What would you? They dumped old Joseph. They ain't coming back. I'm in a rotten prison. I mean, think about, think about the emotions of a real person. They're not coming back for me. I saw what they did to my bro. Well, actually, I was a part of it. But, uh, <sighs> hmm. So in chapter 42, guys, we saw that Joseph probed their sincerity. And now in chapter 43, we're going to see them investigate their jealousy. What? Yeah, think about it. 21 years before, they sold him into slavery. Why? Because they felt like he was dad's, help me, favorite. Your dad's favorite. I got a coat of many colors. And, and he was boasting. And so they were like, they were angry. You guys understand, right? But, but so now he's got to test them. He's going to test their jealousy. Okay? You're like, what? Well, here's, here's what Joseph's thinking, right? If they did that to me, how are they treating my father and my younger brother? So guess what? Now we return to Egypt, okay? Back to Egypt to buy more food. Chapter 43 Verses 1 through 5, it says this. Now the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain that they had bought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back. Now I want you to see this. Buy a little more food. You guys see that? A little more food. Now, why is he thinking? Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to put yourself in Jacob's frame of mind. He had food. They ate. He's starting to see it's running out. Time has passed, so here's what he's thinking. He's thinking, man, how long is this going to last? Lord, how long is this famine going to last? Okay, boys, go back and just get a little bit more. Because it can't last that long, can it? And I thought, isn't that how we are today? You go, what do you mean? In our everyday life, guys, let's be honest. We're asking, how long can this COVID-19 last? How long can this pandemic last? So many of us in March are going, okay, brace yourself, brace, okay. And then April, and then May, and then we're going, okay, so we're finally, okay, let's get back to normal. Let's go. Let's. And then now we're in August, and we're going, how long can this last, bro? How long can it last? Spoiler alert, guys. It lasts a long time in the book of Genesis. As a matter of fact, life for the children of Israel changed because they actually end up going to Egypt. 
You guys tracking with me? You go, so, so what does that mean? We don't know how long this is going to last. But here's what we do know. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to prepare spiritually that this thing doesn't go away. Prepare spiritually. Guys, the Lord Jesus is so willing to speak to you and so willing to walk with you that we must prepare our hearts spiritually. Be ready. Be ready. Okay? If your quiet time was, was kneel at best, man, I need to spend time with Jesus. I need to spend time with Jesus. I want to hear his voice. I want to see his face. The book of Revelation tells us, to the church of Ephesus, go back to the place where you once fell. Guys, go back to the place where you were once in love with Jesus and prepare spiritually. Guys, don't wait. Also, too, guys, prepare practically. Practically. Instead of sitting there watching the news, wishing things would go back the way they were, how are we going to prepare practically? We're going to move forward. We're going to keep working. We're going to do what we need to do. We're still going to pay our bills, and we've got to move forward. And then we need to prepare emotionally. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. A lot of us are uncomfortable. Can I get an amen? A lot of us are uncomfortable in this world, right, Joe? But let me say this. Things have to be rough here so that we'll want to leave and go home. Things have to be rough. You guys, you guys tracking with me? And I'll tell you why. Because we're such creatures of comfort that when things are really comfortable here, we love it here. And God says, okay, it's time to come home. We go, no, I don't want to go home. I think this is amazing. But he wants to make it just enough uncomfortable for us that we start getting a little homesick. We just get a little homesick. You guys know what I'm saying? Okay, let me, let me illustrate it this way. We got to go on vacation, right? We got to go and uh, stay. I mean, it was just amazing. We got to stay in the mountains. And it was so amazing because, listen, I had my granddaughter. I had my daughter. I mean, it was just, we had the whole family there. It was just so cool, right? We, we were doing stuff, hiking, biking, and just, it was just nice being there, right? And it was really comfortable. Why? Because it was just, ah. What do you mean? Well, it was cold in the morning. So you drink your cup of coffee. It's always cold. Watch the sun come up in the mountains. And then it get warm enough in the day. And that's a little hot, but that's okay. And then at night, you could see the stars and just... And it was so cool. But on Sunday, Jesse and Talia and Cordelia had to come home. It wasn't so comfortable anymore. It wasn't so fun anymore. I missed them. I missed them all. And although I had my loving wife, <laughs> I, I just... I, and you know what my thought was? I, I'm ready to come home too. You see, it wasn't comfortable. See, I mean, if we had all stayed there, that would have been amazing. But see, the Lord does that, guys. The story is the Lord makes us a little uncomfortable here, so we're ready to go. Ah, uh, yeah. Hey, this has been fun, but I'm 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 ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. And so come Tuesday morning, I was ready to come home. I missed y'all. I missed I missed being here. And and you guys understand, although that was great, it wasn't home wasn't home. And although this is great and you have a great life and things are amazing and you're just like, oh, Lord, it's still not home. It's still not home. Verse 3 says, but Judah spoke to him saying, the man solemnly warned us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. In other words, they're saying, dad, be reasonable. The guy was just really upset. He says, if you send our brother to us, verse 4, we will go down and buy, notice, I want you to see this, buy you food. Do you guys see that in verse 4? You, underline you. Why? He says, but if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Right? 
to go, Judah. You go, what do you mean? It wasn't, guys, that, notice what he says. It wasn't that we're willing to go down and buy food so everybody could eat. Since you control what is happening, let me make it a little more personal. He says, we will go down and buy you some food. A little more personal, right? Dad, if you don't want to die of starvation, then let Benjamin come back with us. Okay, look at verse 6. And Israel said, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell me, as to tell the man whether you still had another brother, question mark. Now, this is very important, right? Because a simple, couple of things jump out. Did you guys see it in verse 6? A couple of things jump out. And you go, what's that? Number one, guys, think about this. The writer, who, who most people believe is Moses, was employing the term Israel, the name Israel. Okay? We know that it's Jacob. We've been dealing with Jacob. But now he says, Israel said. And I, I kind of just went back. It took me back for a minute. I'm going, Why would Moses employ Jacob here, but then Israel here? Was there a change? Now, I, I started to look it up. Now, let me give you one school of thought, okay? This is simply just, just so you can mull over during the week. But let me give you one school of thought. After the name change, in some passages in Genesis, they refer to him as Jacob, like in 33 and 34 and 35 and 37, as others in Israel, God changed his name, like in 35, 37, 43, and we're going to see in chapter 46. Now, here's the school of thought. Some have suggested that the name Jacob represents his old nature and Israel his new. That is, he's called Jacob when he's functioning in his carnal old nature, but when he's called Israel, when he's acting out in the new nature. Now, here's what they say. This could be limited to merit in this suggestion in some passages, and it would parallel the Christian's experience as presented to us in the book of Ephesians. thought, huh, that's interesting. In one area where... The problem is, is that, is the second thing that jumps out. And you go, what's that? Well, the fact that I don't know if he's really acting in a supernatural fashion. Why? Because he's actually making a statement or a scolding, if you will. He's not asking or implying. He's stating a fact. Do you know when dad... Has that scolding, right? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, why were you so cruel to me by telling him you had another brother? Now, again, some people go, well, that's not really carnal. He's just, he's just, but he's, he's implying. I'm not asking, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And of course, we know the narrative, right? Because we know that that wasn't the case. It was Joseph as God is, and oh, but you see, he's making, he's making a statement. And verse seven says, but they said, the man asked poignantly about our, about ourselves and our family saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words, could we possibly have known that, that he would say, bring your brother down? Then Judah, said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Both we and you and also our little ones. Okay. Now, here's one thing that popped out at me. I don't know if you guys see it in the scripture. When Joseph asked, what were his two questions? Is your father still alive? He never mentioned his mother, did he? He never said, hey, is, is your mom or your dad still alive? Do you have any other siblings? He sort of focused in. It's almost like like he knew. But the boys didn't catch it, did they? And so they're pointing back that, they're pointing back out. He just asked about you, Dad. He just asked if we had another brother. Oh, by the way, in chapter 42, we saw Reuben go, listen, may you kill my kids if I don't bring him back. But Judah steps up and he says, send the lad with me and we will rise and go. And live and not die. And you and all of us and all the little ones. In other words, here's what he's saying, guys. Judah steps up and offers what? A guarantee that he would keep Benjamin safe. Dad, it's okay. 
I'll be the guarantee. You see the difference between Reuben in last chapter, he's just, he's just spouting, oh, I should have done something. Oh man, okay, go kill my kids. And dad, grandpa's not going to kill his kids. But Judah's sincerity with a guarantee. I'll take care of him, dad. I'll take care of him. Well, it seems like Judas, it seems like, like, like Jacob snaps out of it. Why? Because he's starting to think logically, and he realized that if, if, if they sat there, guess what? They're all gonna starve to death. So Benjamin's gonna die as well. He's like, well, duh. You know, I, okay. Okay. And he says in verse nine, I myself will be a surety for him, and my hand, you shall require of him if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we have not lingered, Judah says, surely by now we would have returned and say, guys, we're wasting time. Come on, dad. Come on. So what does Jacob do? Jacob says, okay, I've got a plan. Let me send you guys back with three different gifts. Do you guys catch it? The gifts, right, from Canaan found that are not found in Egypt. Look at verse 11. He says, And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry them down as a present for the men. A little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Now, here's what we need to understand. There was a severe famine, but one of the things is that these were just, these were things that, that again, you couldn't find in Egypt. Now, honey here is not bees honey, guys. If you, if you look at it, I just want to let you know it was a, it was a thick syrup that was actually, um, boiled down from fresh grapefruit. So, so he called it honey, but it was a different kind of honey. Now, again, I don't know if it, it could be a staple as a diet, you know, pistachio nuts and almonds. What'd you have today? Pistachio nuts and almonds with a little bit of honey. They needed real food. They needed bread. You guys understand? Wait, wait, wait. Do you guys understand? Why? Because when it comes to the word of God, what sustains us is the bread of life. And the problem is, is that, is that when it comes to the word of God, so many are eating just a little pistachio nuts, a little bit of almonds, and it's not producing growth. And Jesus said, I am the bread and we need him. We need the bread of life. That's how we grow. That's what sustains us through this hard time. Guys, think about it. Think about it. Another thing that jumps out of the text is I can't help but think, who, who are we dealing with, guys? Jacob, right? Do you remember when Esau was coming? What did he do? He did the same thing. Here, take a bunch of gifts. Take them. Why? Because he wanted to do what? He wanted to ease the confrontation. Well, if this man's mad at you, give him some gifts. I think that's a good lesson, right? If you're ever going to... Eh. That's the next thing I'm going to do. If I'm going to fight with my brother Alex, I'm going to give him gifts first. Here you go, bro. And then he won't be mad at me anymore. I guess that's the lesson. I don't know. But you guys know what I'm saying, right? This is, this is interesting. So he sends it. Now, 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 the second gift, guys, he says, now double the money, right? Just in case it was an oversight, he wanted to pay for the food as well as buy more food. Check it out. Verse 12. Take double the money in your hand and take it back in your hand, the money that was returned in the mouth of your sex. Perhaps it was an oversight. I don't know if you see this or not, but I just kind of feel like there's some integrity here. And you go, what do you mean? He's not going to go, well, psh, man, we got all this food. Shame on you, man. Money was in our side. Boo, you lose. It's like, no, maybe there was an oversight. I'm going to make sure that you guys get paid. I'm going to make sure you guys get paid. We love it when we get a blessing. We love it when God blesses us, but not at the expense of somebody else or that we tarnish the name of Jesus. And so we want to make sure, okay. Oh, Mr. Mr. Mabry, I'm sorry, this was an oversight. You still owe us $25. Oh, I thought I was, okay, okay. And of course, he's sending his son Benjamin, right? Look at verse 13. Take your brother also, arise, and go back to the man. Okay? Now, notice the human side of Jacob, verse 14. You guys see it? And may God Almighty, right, El Shaddai, who can do anything, give you mercy before the man, that he may release your 
other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Now you go, Ben, what do you mean? What do you mean the human side? In the New King James Version, okay, New Living says, he actually calls him his name. But I noticed this jumped out at me. What was that? He doesn't mention his son's name. He says, oh, by the way, he says, may God, God, I'm praying, may he give mercy and that, that, that the man would have mercy and that he would release your brother and Benjamin. And I thought, really, Dad? Really? And I was sad. And I'll tell you why. Because I think, I think favoritism, guys, And the life of Jacob has taken its toll. Guys, I know he loved his other boys, but I guarantee you strife in the family comes for favoring one over the other. Let me give you an example. I am the baby of my family. I was the very last to be born. I had two older brothers and a sister. And as the baby, I thought, well, definitely, definitely, I'm going to be, I'm going to make out good on this thing, right? I got two older brothers, they're a pain. And not the girl, and I'm the baby, I'm the baby of the family. And I thought that definitely that I would be dad's favorite, okay? Mom has passed. I was, I was only 18 months when my mom died. So I definitely thought I'm the favorite. I'm going to be, I'm going to milk this only to find out that my dad didn't play favorites. And that he loved us all equally. And I was quite hurt that I was not the favorite. But it was a beautiful lesson because in my family, I I want my kids to know that they're equal. I love them the same. Because it causes strife. I, maybe y'all have, seen that in other families. My dad passed away about eight years ago. And me and my brothers are still close because of that. Because of that. Because there wasn't any favoritism. And I'll never forget, guys, when he passed away, we sat in his room, and my dad had a collection of different stuff that he had saved over the years. And we sat in a circle, and and we divided it. Okay, you get one, you get one, I get one. You get one, yeah. And it was so, it was, there wasn't any strife. There wasn't any strife at all. And I'm, and I'm thinking, guys, in our text, man, let's, let's make sure when we're raising our kids, whether it's family or even blended families or whatever it might be, that we treat them like we would anyone else. We love them to death. I think that's so important from the Word of God. So Jacob ends his prayer with, but guess what he says? But if I lose my kids, I guess that's how it has to be. Look at verse 15. So the men took the present and Benjamin, and they took double the money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. Now, here's where we we come into retaliation is natural, And reconciliation is supernatural. Look at verse 16. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, notice what he did. He said to the steward of the house, take these men into my home, slaughter an animal, and make ready, for these will dine with me at noon. Right? And I thought, wow, this is super cool, man. This Why? He sees Benjamin, and he's like, and he says, okay. Man, set up the feast. Set, light up the barbecue grill. It is going down. That's what he's saying. And, and, and I found it interesting. Why? Because, guys, I know this is just for my Bible students, okay? Check this out. Joseph commands the steward of the house. Do you guys see that in, in here in verse 16? He, he commands the steward of the house. And I thought, well, what is the, what is, what does the steward of the house look like? What, what's his job description? Okay, and here's what I've come up with. Check it out. Number one, the steward of the house has no rights. He has to be obedient. He must be faithful. He must be humble. The steward of the house has to be kind, and he has to be patient. 
This is his job. I thought, wow. Why would you look that up? Here's why. Because it reminds me of what Paul teaches us in the New Testament, that we as believers should be towards God. This is how we should be towards God and to others. You go, what do you mean? Well, Paul calls himself a bondservant. Paul calls himself a steward, a slave. And check it out. We should be like this to God. We should claim no rights. Listen, you want to break racial barriers and prejudice? We have no rights. We belong to God. Number two, think about it. We're called to obedience to his word. That is never more the case that's going on now in California, where my brothers, my pastor friends are having to fight to teach the word of God. You have to be obedient to the word. You have to be obedient to the word. You show up to church, you might get fined, a misdemeanor. By the thousands, they showed up because we have to be obedient to the word. Are we, are we like that, guys? Do we have that zealous? Okay, number three, we're called to be faithful to God. We're called to be faithful. Number four, we're called to be humble. We're to walk in humility. We're to bring honor and glory to him. We're to be kind. We're to be kind. Let me give you a quick example. Do I have time to give you a quick Let me give you a quick example. God's called us to be kind. What does that mean? That means the, the person at the store who's in charge of making sure you have a mask on, be kind to him. Because it's probably his only job. He's probably scared to do his job. And, and the buddy's afraid, and, and, and the person's afraid to get fired for not doing his job. The lady at the checkout who's had to breathe with the mask on for eight hours, be kind. Be kind. That's, that's, that's what God's calling us. Be, be kind and then be patient with others. Be patient with others. Guys, I don't like it. I don't like it. But I want to represent Jesus well. Well, it goes on in verse 17, and it says, Then the man did as Joseph ordered. And the man brought what the men into Joseph's house, Now, the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. They said, it's because the money was returned in our sacks the first time and we're brought in. So we may make a case against us and seize us and take us as slaves in our tongue. These guys are so guilty. They just, (laughs) everything is right. Everything is just like, oh my gosh, it's because we did this. It's because of our, I mean, that's all they think about, right? And, and I remember when I was little, we'd walk to the store and I'd hear, and we'd hear a siren, right? We'd hear, and I used to look at my friend and say, did you do anything wrong? And he goes, no, did you? Okay, then we're fine. But we would always think, what did we do? What did we do? And that's what they're doing. They're going, and, and so he says, man, it's because we're slaves. And then, and basically, you know, look at verse 19. And when they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked to him, right? They talked with him at the door of the house and said, oh, sir, we, we indeed came down the first time to buy food, but this happened. And when he came to the cabin, we opened our sacks and there was each man's money in the mouth of the sacks and our money was full of weight. And we brought it back into our hands and, and, and we brought down the other money so that we can buy more food. And we did not know who put the money in our sacks. So they're, they're just kind of explaining to him. But notice what he says. He says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given treasure into you in your sacks. I had your money. I you paid in full. Then he brought Simeon out to them. What a what an amazing thing. Here's where it gets good. Look at verse 24. So the men brought the men, the man brought the men into Joseph's house, and he gave them water, and he washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys feed. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I thought we we're gonna be we we're gonna be slaves, but you're treating us like yeah, if you're taking note, guys, here's the gospel in the old testament. Why? Because the boys were expecting to be taken as slaves, and Joseph showed them amazing kindness, mercy, 
and forgiveness. Now listen, even though they didn't deserve it. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Instead of retaliating, look what you did 20 years ago. Joseph said, it's time for reconciliation. It's time for reconciliation. And what about us? What about us? It's the same thing. We don't deserve it, and yet God does this. Think about this. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean anything to you? Can't you see that it's his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's your kindness that leads us to repentance, Lord. It's your kindness. Well, it goes on in verse 25. Notice, and they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon. And for they heard that they would would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand, into the house. And they bowed before him to the earth. Then he asked about their well-being and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? Now, question, why would Joseph ask this? Because he asked it before, right? Last chapter, why would he ask it? Here's why. Listen, if you're taking note, it's been a while since they were there. Six weeks round trip, plus they had enough food to last for a while. So he's going, hey, is dad, is, is dad still okay? Is, so, so you know it's been a while. Is he still alive? And they answered, your servant, your father is in good health. He's still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. And he, then he lifted his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, is this your younger brother whom he, whom you, of whom you spoke to me? And they said, God, and he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Now remember, the last time he saw Benjamin, he was just a little baby. Now, verse 30 says, his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and he wept there. Then he washed his face and came out and restrained himself and said, serve the bread. So they set him a place by himself and them by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. Why? Because Egyptians could not eat the food with Hebrews for that was an abomination to the Egyptians. So he does it right, right? And he sat before them, the firstborn, according to their birthright and the youngest according to his youth. Now think about this. Joseph says, okay, so now you sit here and he's putting everybody in order. Reuben, all of them. And they're like, Wow. Well, of course he knows, right? He knows. Now, here's where it gets good. Look at verse 34. Then he took servings to them uh, from before him. But Benjamin, guys, do you see that? Serving was five times as much as theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. Okay, so here's the picture. Everybody gets some food. Everybody gets a steak, Joe. Everybody gets a steak. Okay, but they only, but, but you only get a little, you only get a little eight ounce, Joe. But Benjamin, you look at his plate, he's got a 20 ounce sirloin, bro. He's got it, he's everything. 72 ounce if you go to Amarillo. Yeah, but I don't think Benjamin can eat him an hour. He's just a kid. Here, here's the point, right? So, so. Why did, Joseph, why did Joseph do that? Why is Benjamin getting... Remember, remember the title of our message, right? He, he, he doesn't re- want to retaliate. That's natural. But to reconcile is supernatural. And, and I, love, I love the quote from Martin Luther, right? Martin Luther King once said... Or sorry, Martin Luther once said... Not King. Martin Luther once said, Man must evolve for all humans conflict, a method which rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. He says the, the foundation of such a method is love. You go, yeah, that's a great quote, Ben, but uh, that doesn't answer why Benjamin got the 40-ounce steak while the rest of us got a 12-ounce steak. 
It doesn't answer why Benjamin got salad and a baked potato and bread. And it doesn't answer that. Well, as we close, as we close our Bible study, guys, remember I said that, that Joseph was, he tested his brothers earlier on with what? Sincerity. I want to see, I want to see if you guys have matured and I want to see if my heart can forgive you. Well, now he's testing his brothers with jealousy. How so? He wanted to see how they would treat Benjamin as being the favorite. I want to see your hearts. If I give Benjamin the 40-ounce steak, thanks, Jesse, the 40-ounce steak, I want to see how y'all react. Because I once was there. And you threw me into a pit. Now, that's where we got to close tonight, guys. Have the boys changed? We'll have to tune in next week and see what happens. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and how gracious your word is. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you, God, that we can pull so much out of your word. It's so beautiful, Lord. We thank you for who you are. With every every eye closed and every head bowed in prayer, I never want to leave a Bible study without giving you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. And I know that we're small in number here on a Wednesday night, but maybe you're watching, maybe you've tuned in, maybe maybe somebody's sharing a watch party later on and, and you've made it all the way through and you're just wondering, what is what is going on? But maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you've walked away from Jesus and, and he's knocking on your heart to come home. I never want to leave a Bible study without giving you an opportunity. So listen to the Holy Spirit. If he's knocking on your heart and you're empty inside and you know where you need to be, then I want to pray for you. You go, Ben, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be saved? What do I want? How do I know I'm going to go to heaven? Well, if you open up your heart, invite Jesus inside. And I know what the enemy does. I know the enemy makes you feel like you're not worthy, that you've walked away, that you're a million miles away from him, that you feel like you're oceans away from him. But listen to me right now. The word of God declares that you're one decision from coming back to him. If you'll open up your heart and say yes once and for all. The best way I could say it is if you quit playing church and start being the church. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. How, pastor? How? You can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I know on a Wednesday night, I'm just far from you. But today I repent. I change my ways from wrong to right. I'm going to follow you. But I need your help, Lord, because I can't do it alone. In the natural, I want to do my own thing, my own way, every day of my life. But supernaturally, I will follow you. I will be obedient to you. So I'm asking Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. If you prayed that prayer, man, we love you. We're welcome back into the family of God. He has such a great plan for you. We love you. I want to know about it, okay? So if you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer, man, make sure you hit me at the door and say, man, I prayed that prayer, and then I'll I'll rejoice with you. If you're watching online or listening by podcast, please send us a quick email. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. 
Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapelubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.